Oborn and Heller on Cricket, brought to you by the Chiswick Calendar. Hello, it's Peter Oborn on a wintry day in Wiltshire. Hello, it's Richard Heller in south-east London, where we had a glorious rosy-fingered dawn, but it's now cold and wet. And we've got two captains of local cricket teams with us today. Local cricket is actually what cricket ultimately is all about. It's how cricket started and it's how cricket will ultimately end. Everything else is a sort of what Karl Marx called epiphenomena. Village cricket is what we're going to be discussing today. Is how cricket has been played in uh, in England and then overseas and abroad for hundreds of years, and certainly hundreds of years before the first class game. We've got two uh, village cricket captains. We've got Tom Greaves, the captain. Well, he he can tell me who he's captain of, and and Callum Widows. Tom, tell me what club you you captain and how long you've been doing that. Morning, guys. Um, yeah, so I'm Tom Graves, captain of Reed Cricket Club in Hertfordshire. I've been captain for this will, coming up will be my eighth season, so I've had a fairly long stint. Um, but yeah, grew, grew, grew up in Reed, and um, yeah, I'll tell the rest of the story later. And Callum Widows. Callum, tell us about yourself and your cricket team. Uh, good morning. Uh, yeah, so captain of Hornetsham Cricket Club. Uh, have been a captain for about five or six years now. And we just play friendly cricket, um, which we've got a fixture list of 65 fixtures a year, all friendly cricket. Um, so we don't play any competitive league cricket on a Saturday. For those who don't know where Horningsham is, it's where I was brought up. Uh, uh, um, and I've actually been playing on and off for Horningsham Cricket Club for nearly 50 years. I think I first played for them in about 1975. Um, uh and Callum, also, you were brought up, uh, we, we, we actually brought up about a half a mile away from each other on the other side yes. of the village church. Um, and, uh, and and Callum has really resurrected the, the club. He's been a huge, it's, it's, it's stronger now than it ever has been. Uh, and Callum is a huge part of that. Horningsham is on the Longleat Estate, although the people who play for it are uh, kind of uh, from all walks of life. Um, now, Callum, tell, tell us... Uh, why did you learn your cricket? Well, we had very little cricket growing up in primary school. We played, played the, the odd game of quick cricket as I was exiting the uh, primary school years. And then it was really watching the 2005 Ashes. That was where I learned my cricket. I'm a product of that, that Ashes series. And I had very little coaching. And I taught myself in the garden uh, following Freddie Flintoff's action and I should bowl at a wall for hours and hours and then I go in the garden and get my dad to hit the ball to me and catch and we play in the garden I, vent- I eventually started playing for Horningsham it was hard to get into the Horningsham side they didn't like too many youngsters they had taken taken over the the bowling spots it was very set in its ways back then but it was I started off through Horningsham primary school I eventually went into the local town Warminster uh, through the uh, youth setup and started playing there, and then eventually ended up back at Hornetsham. Now in my twenties. So how old were you in two thousand and five when you watched the, the, the magnificent Flintoff and Vaughan and Co? Uh, so I was I was only I, I didn't start I started quite late I, I didn't start playing till I was till I was twelve. Um, I'd never played cricket. Uh, we did a little bit of cricket at primary school and then it was it was nothing until i i watched this cricket on tv and i was mesmerized by the Gosh, the ashes yeah. and it was i fell in love with it instantly um after watching that and i, and I begged my dad to take me to the to, to find out the local uh Warminster cricket team the end of 13 side and i remember turning up and they oh, I'm, I'm i'm a pretty pretty big lad and i was a big lad back then and I remember the, the coach looking at me and, and saying, well, you have come back in half an hour, but I doubt you'll get in the team. We've got, we've got quite, a, quite a big team. And within a year, I was actually captain of the under-13s team. We, I've never played cricket before. 
And I, I, I always remember, it always stuck with me, this the look the, the coach gave me as he judged me before he'd seen me play um, to tell me, well, you might not, you might not make the side, but you can come back if you want. But that was then, that was, that was the start of it all. I played quite a lot of cricket uh, with Callum and against Callum. He's got a very, very good eye and he puts the ball absolutely on the spot. And he's got loads, what outstanding cricketers have actually is loads of time, which is always very noticeable. Tom, how did you get into cricket? Up until the age of about 12 or 13, I had absolutely no interest in cricket at all. Um, I thought it was a game for posh people that would not be suited to me at all. And I, was, I fancied myself as a bit of a golfer, um, much to the distress of the groundsman, uh, Reed. So I grew up in Reed with my younger brother. And we used to frequently take our golf clubs over to the cricket green and um, turf out plenty of divots all over the square, um, all around the outfield. Um, and yeah, frequently um, frustrate, should we say, the uh, the groundsman, uh, who's a great guy, um, been, been at the club for 30 odd years, puts his heart and soul into the ground. And uh, yeah, one, one day he, he saw us over there playing golf and he marched over with a bat in one hand and a ball in the other. And he said, will you two pair of idiots, instead of playing golf on my outfield, there's a bat, there's a ball, and get yourself in the nets. And we were like, all right, yeah, we'll have, we'll have a go at it. And so gem, as a general rule of thumb, my brother was the bowler, I, I was a batter. Um, and yeah, we played with no pads, no gloves, just a hard ball and a bat. And we, we sort of entertained ourselves for hours in there and actually become reasonably okay. Um, and the groundsman had obviously picked up on this because he, he was up there as often as us. And um, he, he actually done a lot of work, him and the, the pre, one of the previous chairmen, in actually getting us a bit of funding through the local uh, parish council or whatever, um, and supplying us with some actual kit, so some, some pads, bats, gloves, etc., and and then sort of integrated us into the junior setup at the club. Um, so it all sort of boiled down to the groundsman on that day being particularly fed up. Um, and just marching over with a bat and a ball, and it all sort of started from there. And then kind of like Callum, that all coincided with the 2005 Ashes. So we kind of, so I've, I've, I've said that would have been about 2004 when, when we got given this bat and a ball, and the winter went, and we come come back, and it was 2005, and that was on the TV, so that was captivating. It was all on free-to-air TV as well. So we kind of watch a bit of cricket, and then run down, we, we lived, a one minute walk away from the cricket net so we'd, we'd watch a bit of the cricket run down the nets and emulate what or try to emulate what we'd just seen on the tv tom i'm guessing that uh, from your story that you hadn't played any cricket anywhere you hadn't been given any opportunity before you were 12 or 13 before the this opportunity on the on your own pitch uh, absolutely, right? yeah. So we, yeah, didn't, didn't play any cricket at school. As I said, I didn't particularly have a, any sort of interest in it, to be honest. Um, mm. It was, um, I remember growing up and living that close to the cricket field that Saturday afternoons became quite, um, what's the word, almost annoying with every half an hour being a big LBW show while we're trying to sit and have a barbecue in the garden. Um, and I mean, obviously, now I know what it's about, it, um, it, it changes things slightly, but. It kind of, yeah, it went from having absolutely no interest, being given a bat and a ball, me and my brother going, going at it in the nets and then getting a bit of funding for some kit. And probably in the when I was about 14, I then was in the under-14s or under-15s team opening the batting for, for Reed and it, and then becoming quite a big part of that side. And, um, yeah, it was the, and, and that's when I started to get the enjoyment out of it, when I started to understand it a bit more, you know. Brilliant. Just a matter of interest. Did your did your brother stay with the game as well? Does he is he still playing? He he did, and then he took his career path down. Um, he he's actually a chef, so which obviously comes with its unsociable hours. So he mm. probably played until he was about seventeen or eighteen, and then he sort of sort of drifted. He drifted away from the game. He still plays every now and then. Every if we have a captain's day or a president's day, he'll, he'll chip in. Um, but he's not quite so regular as myself. Okay. What do you do, Tom? I'm a site manager on a, a new build construction site. Right. 
and Callum, I can tell people, is a very, very uh, easy batsman, easy on the eye to watch, and uh, bowls little niggly middle medium paces, wouldn't you say, um, Callum, very effectively? What's your job, uh, Callum? I, I didn't always bowl in niggly medium paces. I was a little bit quicker once. Um, I mean, the last time me and Richard played against each other um, yeah. in two, 2011, I, I found the scorebook. Actually, I mean, I mean Richard <laughs> out. Can I? Albie, can I buy it? Can I buy it? <laughs> LBW for twenty one. Um, oh, that's one of my bigger innings. Um, I walk, yeah, probably you, you, walked you, across my stumps again. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so I've I've developed into a, um, a specialist slow bowler with a deceptive dibbly dobblers, um, which pick up a lot more wickets than than bowling pace. Gavin Larson, do you remember? Do you remember him? He was a hero of New Zealand for years. Yeah. That sort of style. Yeah, and that, it it completely. Dasa Nazar was another of those. Yeah. yeah. Mm. But I I run my family's fish and chip shop in Warminster, um, which again it it comes with unsociable hours, but every spare hour I have, it's it's playing cricket, and I wouldn't wouldn't change it for the world. Callum, here you have an opportunity to advertise. I can assure yeah. anybody listening that it's a fantastic fish and chips. What is the uh, name of the shop and how you can get to it? It's, it's a Starfish Bar in Warminster. Um, it's, it's just just on Broxburn Road in Warminster. If you, if you want some um, some lovely freshly cooked fish and chips, you'll find us there at a good good price, which is hard to get nowadays with fish and chips. Now, you've been telling me how, what uh, the Ukrainian uh, situation has been doing to the price of... We had many discussions about this in the pub, haven't we? Yeah. Uh, yes. The, the price of cod has <laughs> gone through the roof, hasn't it? Yeah, it's, I mean, we're, we're, we're a rather busy little fish and chip shop, but you, you have the... All your cod comes from Russian trawlers, um, which I find great difficulty in getting into the country. Um, masses of the world's sunflower oil comes from Ukraine, which has then had a knock-on effect on all the other oils. The price of fish has tripled, oil tripled. It's it's been a tough year, it really has, and um, next to nothing help from the government. So it's not been easy. Clearly not. Um, Callum, we I was staggered by your total of matches played in the year. I think you said sixty five, sixty five different fixtures. Where do you get them all from? Are they are they visitors? You know, I mean, it's a very you're a very attractive ground to play on. Is it? Is it visitors like Peter's team and ours, or is it um, uh, is it local? Well, we used to be in a league um, in the, the Free Counties League for many years. That disbanded um, in the late uh, twenty fifteen, and then we moved to a mid something called the Mid Wessex League, which was a much higher standard. And we'd have to travel um, down to Taunton for a lot of our matches, and we we held our own. We actually won it in the first year uh, in the final against Broad Windsor. In which we're very proud of, but the, the the game started to become too competitive. It was starting to turn into Saturday cricket, and Saturday cricket is wonderful. It really is, but it's a different. You're playing in different gears on a Saturday, than Saturday league cricket, and and what Sunday cricket's about is the more of a social aspect. So we decided we're going to pack in the 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 um the Sunday league because we we played one game. We, we rolled a team out for sixty four on a on a sticky wicket in April, it was perfect, um, perfect bowling performance. And then when they came back to us later on in the year, they brought their first team overseas player who bowled at 75 miles an hour on AstroTurf and took a five for a score ton. And there was no enjoyment in that for us. Yeah. Um, so we decided, we sat down at the pub and said, we don't want to do this anymore. And uh, Peter's brother, James said, if we go for friendly cricket, can we get enough fixtures? And I just, and uh, I said, just watch me, and um, and and I t I took the fixture secretary role on, and it was wonderful. I know I, I I go in the winter. I go on the um the Google Maps and 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 I just Google prettiest grounds around. Like I get I look at all these grounds and where we want to play, and yeah. we go down to we don't play too many games at home. We had 60, 60 games. We ended up playing sixty games this year. We got a few rained off, um, and I think we only I think we only played twenty five at home um so we, we played a lot away and we love playing away we play we love playing away more than we do playing at home usually because you get to travel to the new, new grounds and go to lovely pubs we go down to dorset uh go down to deep in somerset we 
anywhere we can travel within an hour we will um we like to go to so tom will be coming back to you in a moment because we're well, the monopolising things of Callum, but what are the maybe some, some of the prettiest, loveliest grounds you've played at? Well, Cern Valley, um, just mm. just over the hill from the Cern Giants, uh, plush in the Pillow Trentai Valley, and then Pillow, yeah, that that's stunning. You, you're driving through all these fields, and then suddenly there's this um, beautiful ground with sloping steps down from the pavilion, uh, Milton Milton Abbey in uh, Blandford mm. Forum. Yep. Uh, Font Hill Bishop. Oh, that's a um, fantastic ride, yeah. But and yep. so and, and a lot of our grounds which we play, we we play for a long time. Like Chilmark is um it's a tiny ground. It's it's and it's lovely. And they, they do the yep. best tees I've ever had. Um you have to bat you have to bat second on that ground because you will not be able to field the amount of cake they produce. Yeah, I've been there. Yep. I've, I've, I know that I know their tactic. Yeah. Yeah, Tom. How many fixtures do you have each year at Reed, and um, and where do you get them from, and where where do you where do you travel to? So yeah, so different to Callum, we do play league cricket. Um, so we play league cricket on a Saturday. So we run three elevens on a Saturday in the Hearts Cricket League, um, and then on a Sunday we enter the National Village Cup, uh, and. On the if we've been knocked out or if there's gaps in the fixtures, we'll then look to fill those with friendly fixtures. And you've had a lot of success. Let's get this in now. You've had a lot of success in the National Verge Cup, haven't you? Yeah, we 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 had a bit of a golden twenty tens, if you like. Um, it was it it was it was it was almost more by luck than judgment at at the start of twenty twenty ten, if you like. We had a group of of players of sort of my age group and a couple of years younger uh probably seven or eight of us all came through all at the same time we were all reasonably good cricketers and then that coupled in with the three or four slightly older guys who sort of almost mentored us through particularly to 2010 11 12. um we we managed to form this really really good uh sunday knockout side uh which was made up of uh, so when, when we played the final in 2012 at Lords, the, 11, the playing 11 was 10 of the 11 were made up of Colts from the cricket club. Uh, and the only, the only guy that wasn't actually, didn't come through the system um, had joined at the age of, I think, 21. Um, and he lived locally up the, just up the road. So we, yeah, we, we were lucky. I mean, we kind of, we were playing some really, really good cricket, um, but we we didn't have what's the word? This where we've probably got a few problems now is at that time we no one had kids, or very few of us had kids. No. We could train twice a week. We were available every Saturday, every Sunday. We had nothing else to do in the summer other than play cricket, and I think I speak for probably nine of the eleven there. Um, so we naturally you will become quite a lot better if you're training twice a week, playing twice a week. Um, and yeah, and we, and we had a really good cup run in 2012. We then had, we got knocked out the first round actually in 2013 as defending champions. Uh, went, went okay. I think we got out of the uh, the sort of regional group. So how, how the competition works is that the whole country is divided up into different regions. So we, we're in the Hertfordshire and Bedfordshire region. Um, so I think for yeah for maybe the 2014, 15, 16 we got out of out of the uh, regional divisions, and then 2017 we managed to put a run together again and um, we we won and that was um, that was my first year as as captain of the village cup side that made the final, and I I remember you get get up to the ground get up to Lords the Saturday before, and um, there's quite a lot of press involved actually it was it was very bizarre. So there's kind of guys from a few different radio stations coming to interview and we had BBC Look East on the ground the day on the Friday before. And, you know, it was all very surreal. And I, I remember getting up to um, up to Lords and the, um, the, the the local media, whoever it was that was there, kind of come over and they said, oh, um, you're playing against, it was Sese, I believe. Playing against Sese, they were reigning champions. They were expected to walk all over us. And um, they said, oh, are, you, are you just here for the day out? Because obviously the, your final was the semi-final. I said, what are you talking about? 
So you just you obviously these guys are, they've been promoted into the Premier League, so it makes them ineligible next year, etc., etc., etc. And I was just looking at these guys, thinking, I don't know how much research you've done, but we're actually quite good as well. <laughs> um, and I won the toss, and we bowled because that's what we do. Um, won the toss, bowled. I think we bowled them out for about 150 and chased it down with 10 overs to go, mm. five wickets land, I think, some something like that. And I remember catching up with that chap after the game. And uh, he said, oh, you've done quite well there. I said, yeah, we're, we're not terrible. Like, you, okay. <laughs> and, but from memory, he then brought me a point. And, uh, <laughs> so he should, yeah. So it must be quite a feeling as a village team turning up for a final at Lords. You presume you go to the, the dressing room and you go through the down through the steps and all that. It must be a fabulous sensation. It is. I, I remember 20, 2012 in particular, the guy who uh, runs the competition, uh, I forget his name, and he and it, this was the night before, so we were invited up to the hotel, you have like a champagne reception at the hotel the night before, and he, I remember the guy coming over to, to the whole of the team and going, this is going to be like a day you'll never forget. Um, the Lord's staff, whether, whether it's you're a village cricketer or whether you're Joe Root or Ben Stokes, they pride themselves on just treating everyone exactly the same. So we had a great guy, and again, I forget his name, a terrible name. We had a great guy in that 2012, the dressing room attendant. And it was it was unbelievable. He walked through the grace gate, sort of suit, suit and booted. And we were in the England dressing room uh, the first year. Uh, the dressing room attendant takes us all up. He says, well, would you like a coffee? Would you like this? Would you like that? Um, and then, we, then we, we won and we had a big gala dinner afterwards in the long room. Um, Oh. Yeah, the guest guest speech. This is this is stuff that dreams. This is what dreams are made of, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. It was it, it kind of driven. The, the only problem with it is that day just goes like that, bang, done, quicker. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, we we've been fortunate that we've managed to do it three times. So um, yeah, which is which is. Um, and what's like, lovely is you are all local lads. There's no sort of imports. There's... That's the great thing about the competition is that there's lots of different rules. To, to make it proper village cricket. Um, so you, you can't have any overseas players. You can't have any uh, players with first-class experience or minor counties experience playing. Um, it's just, uh, There's rules about um, the village needs to be surrounded by, I think, two sides of fields or something. They can't have a, mm. a population over X amount. Um, it's quite a, quite a good... Well, it's brilliant for the competition. It makes it proper village cricket um, and it makes it much more enjoyable. Tom, Callum, you both run genuine village sides, but uh, just wondered if you'd had any contact with inner city cricket clubs um, where cricket might be rather harder to organise and might be rather harder to get people together. Certainly, Callum, I know you entertain kind of visiting sides like ours and Peter's, but I just wondered if you'd ever entertained or played regularly against sort of more competitive inner city teams because as i said before we we play saturday league cricket um so we we kind of made our way through the ranks of the Hertfordshire league if you like and we were actually playing premier league cricket only two years ago um and in the hearts premier league that had clubs like wellington city potter's bar radlett um I'm trying to think of the others in there but some some really big city town clubs um and it's interesting the the kind of reaction you get sometimes actually for, for when when we're we're playing a home game and these guys come down it's almost like they've they've never been to a village before and they come and they look around and they're like, oh this is beautiful here like uh, didn't even know this place existed I've driven down that road a hundred times but I never knew if you turned off at fifty yards you'd, you'd have a beautiful little cricket ground there and and they they kind of they're a bit surprised I guess um, that. A, a village as small as Reed, and, and don't get me wrong, not everyone grew up in the village that plays for the team. We all came through the junior system, but, but we most of us live in Royston, which is a small town just down the road. Mm. Um, but yeah, I think so. We kind of punch above our weight a little bit in that respect, um, and I think they when when these bigger city clubs with quite a lot of money, um, with quite a lot of sponsorship big bars they can they can open their bars monday to friday as well as on the weekend for the cricket um they, they're quite surprised uh how well we kind of do for a small village side um i mean the, the, to, to give an example 
that probably everyone will, will know is that so Wellington City, who play in the Hertfordshire Premier League, their club pro is OHR. Mm. Um, and and so we we get some quite almost quite big names, if you like. And then throughout the um throughout the Hertfordshire Premier League in particular, there's kind of six or seven now first class cricketers playing. So and then you if you think kind of small little reed cricket club who are who are a genuine village team playing against these these big town clubs um, we've we've done quite well in in that respect but they're, they're always very very good i think like they i think they quite enjoy it and they quite like the fact that we're kind of a little bit underdogs you know um i think sometimes they feel a bit sorry for us as well because they're usually hammering us but um <laughs> but they're, they're usually very good with it and mo- most of them always sticking around for a drink after the game and and just kind of enjoying the, the difference i guess um that they don't often see you know Callum, what's your experience? Well, I mean, I when I was between 17 and, and 20, I, I played um, probably a similar standard to Tom. It was, it was West of England Premier League, um, Prem 1. And cricket is, as you go up the leagues in, in, um, in Saturday cricket, the standard vastly changes. And, and the way they play cricket vastly changes. And, and it's... It's all about the first. I, what I, from my perspective, it's all about the first team um, on, on for town clubs um, and village clubs, Saturday clubs, and how they play it there. And, I, and, and what I've heard this season from a lot of teams is there's a lot of money going towards the overseas players. First team players are getting paid a lot of money to play to keep hold of those players in Saturday cricket because it is so competitive. Um, and I, and I say, I've not played many City games, so I, I have a limited experience with this. But it's, 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 a, it's a, a long way away from the type of cricket I've played for a long time. And But the, you see some of these players are seriously good. And like you say, you've got O.A. Sharp as an overseas player for one of these teams in, in Tom's League. It's, it's very different. Yeah, I, I must say, you look at that. I'm just thinking what you were talking of the Horningsham batting order i mean you open with dave o'connor um who's uh he's 75 years old um he's an expert he's a sort of professor isn't he an expert on medieval yeah. stained glass windows something yeah. like that isn't it and he's got he's got a is a crab like batting stance um where he, he would charge the 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 bowler no matter his speed or where he's pitching it and and he do, doesn't open so much now we I mean, he's 76 now and he played 40 games this year um, <laughs> and he he keeps and he's still... Dave O'Connor, by the way, is the keeper. Bloody he's a very, keeper. very handy keeper. Yeah. He, scored, he scored 60, didn't he? Like, you know, you ha- he can hang around, he can score runs. Yeah, yo, he's, he's still very good. I think he, he's he's willing to not... He doesn't want to bat every single game. He He's still very good. He's hard to get out. Um, but he realizes at 76, he's, he's he's happy to be playing cricket. He's he's happy for the younger players to to get get their opportunity, especially his son, who's a who's a very good batsman. Um, so you, you've got got people like David at 75 and Paul, who's 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 in, in his 60s. And Paul Grujon, he opens with Paul Grujon. He works for the Forestry Commission. Paul's yeah. Walk us through. He'll he'll be listening to this at some point. Tell <laughs> us about his recent record this last season. So, so Paul um, is is a fine cricketer. Um, but in 2021, he had a shocker. He he had 15 ducks. He averaged 3.3 um, across the course of the season, and he said it was his most enjoyable season. Mm. Uh, we we went up to we went up to Yorkshire, went down to Devon uh, playing cricket, um, and he's he said he's never enjoyed his cricket more, despite the fact he didn't score more than 10 <laughs> the whole season. That's- there, it's obviously got very, very strong mental resources. Um, it's, uh, a lot of us would have given away to existential despair by a season like that. Yep, yep. And then you've got a pretty solid middle order, haven't you? Got Harry is built like a, the proverbial shit hut. Uh, sorry, excuse uh, yeah, me. Yeah. Not for family listening, please. Yeah, yeah. he's he's an extremely strong lad, Harry, um, and he can hit the ball over a hundred meters. And he, he he used to bowl these. He was a human cannonball. Uh, he was throw bowl extremely fast, 
erratic and he's turned himself this year into a skillful left arm spinner um, because the Hornets were, were missing a spinner and I said Harry I don't want you bowling this left arm rapid stuff because one it's, it's, it's too quick for some of the batsmen and two I'm standing at slip and I don't, yeah. <laughs> I don't, yeah, I don't you're in danger yeah. yeah I don't want to have to try and catch it so Very reminiscent and... of Gary Sobers, who switched uh, effortlessly from uh, left arms quick to uh, left arms spin- spinners. Are they Chinamen, which Harry bowls? I haven't seen him doing that. Uh, no, it's it's uh, conventional uh, left arms uh, spin, and he's he's very good. You know, he, he's 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 got over fifty wickets this season, um, and again, he's he's a very good player. He plays Saturday cricket. He's one of the only two players in the whole twenty-five man squad. Who play any Saturday cricket at all now? Um, so he's 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 our, our big hitter in the middle, and then you've you've got you've got Jeff Jeff Lodge, who him and his wife Sam come over from Australia. Uh, Jeff's a Kiwi, and the, the brilliant story about Jeff, he's a massive part of the club. He helps me organise the tours. He's a very good bowler, and batsman, and he was in uh, Peter's brother's. Uh, restaurant in Froome Thai Kitchen and he it was his first night having a meal with his wife um, since moving to Froome and James picked up the accent and they'll do you play cricket because we're one short tomorrow and um, <laughs> before taking their order that's the first <laughs> thing he said to them and uh, it, he's been part of the team since uh, Jeff and now they've just opened up their a gin shop. I don't want to keep uh, advertising stuff that's not no, feel free um, <laughs> he's, 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 uh, they Make their own gin in Froome uh, from Still Life Gin. It's, it's a wonderful shop. Um, but just from that chance question from from James, he's he's I've travelled around the world for him. He's had a kid now, um, and and that's well, what. Except, you haven't mentioned uh, enough about Sam, his wife, who who uh, who also is a very nice cricketer. Although, as you say, they've just had a baby, so I think she took the season off. Well, brilliantly, I've got so many uh, stories that. Sam um, went on tour to Cornwall in 2020 and Sam played cricket at Bude, uh, eight months eight months pregnant or seven months pregnant. She took a wicket at Bude and St. Stephen. Eight months, it was, so it's Charlie, their son. It was Charlie's first wicket. Mm. <laughs> it goes down his career average, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Sam's a good cricketer and, you know, we, we sometimes, we quite often play with cricket um, with uh, female cricketers in the side, and that's what we want to try and promote. We're all inclusive. We, we want, whoever wants to play cricket can play cricket. And uh, we went on to Isle of Wight uh, just this September gone, and we had our first all-female wicket. We had uh, Sam Bowling and Harry's girlfriend, uh, Chelsea, Sam Bowling, and it was caught at slip by Chelsea, who had no idea, it was her first game cricket, no idea what had just happened. She just took, taken... The first all-female wicket for Hornetsham, which was just brilliant, absolutely brilliant. So we've just heard uh, we've just heard of a cricketer at minus um, minus one month. Um, <laughs> what um, like to ask? What sort of age group cricket do you do? You both do you do your teams have? Do you run different teams for different ages for for children and teenagers? Yeah, we we have quite a, a thriving junior section actually. So. We, one of the good initiatives of the ECB ran, I think they started three or four years ago, was the All Stars um, mm-hmm. sort of campaign. But what, what actually happened, a guy called James Heslin at our cricket club had little boys that were about the All Stars age, two years before the All Stars started. So he'd kind of got a bit ahead of the curve and actually started running a kind of under fours, five, sixes kind of thing. And then when the All Stars came in, we were already pretty well set with that. So so we kind of helped continue it on, um, and it's, it's great to to go down to the club on a Sunday morning. And you see all the boys and girls there running around with their All Stars kits on, um, causing absolute carnage by the looks of it. Um, so yes, yeah, so we kind of got that section. So that runs up to I think they play softball and hardball cricket at under nine. So it's obviously all softball until we get to under nines. And then we run an under-11s, under-13s, under-15s, and we're just, I think, in the process of trying to arrange an under-17s squad for this year. So it's quite comprehensive in terms of, um, like, membership of under-18s. 
Now we we hear from other sources that it's it's hard to keep the kids when they when they become teenagers. Other things, you know, tend to com- other activities tend tend to compete. Is that been true of your experience, or are you are they are you managing to retain your young players through that age? It's becoming increasingly harder. Um, I think I think we are retaining a good enough number. We we kind of had a bit of a barren spell where we didn't actually have many under 15s or under 16s coming up for sort of through the ranks for about three or four years, about two or three years ago. We were quite fortunate in that most of the guys playing adult cricket throughout the first team, second team and third team were actually under the age of 30 anyway. So we kind of we, we kind of managed to plug the gap coming through where we didn't have quite so much, but it seems like that's picked itself up now through, through the work that we kind of done on recruitment and with the we've, we've sort of got a coaching coordinator in place um head of the junior section etc and they're all tying in well with the parents um and we're trying to create this under 17 squad to kind of bridge the gap between finishing at under 15s and under 16s level and then making it into maybe the third level or the second level on a saturday so we, we, we're trying to do a few different things to keep keep the, the guys interested throughout um sort of once finishing the junior leagues and then making their way into the adult leagues. Roughly speaking, how many are playing at school? Uh, are are you basically the the main opportunity to play cricket, perhaps their only one? I think it's got better in the last few years, but I I don't think um, there's a huge amount going on in the local schools. Um, There might be a little bit going on, but I don't think it's it's a huge amount. We've kind of got probably a, an 80-20 split between state school and private school. Obviously, the private school guys are, are obviously playing. Um, um, but, yeah, the, the state schools, I, I think there's a little bit played. And, and usually the guys that are coming from the cricket clubs, sort of junior section, are the guys leading that up within the schools. Um, you could quite often see on the back page of the paper that, the local school under 10s team and the front row all have read cricket club shirts on, you know? Mm. Um, so, so yeah, so I don't, I don't know who's leading who in that regard. I don't know if that's led by the guys that are coming from the cricket club or whether it's led by the schools or, or whatnot. But I, well, I think it could be much better um, because it's a good, fun, enjoyable game. Um, and yeah, so we're probably missing out on quite a lot of people and quite a lot of talent, I, I thought. I'm sure you... Callum, what about you? Uh, how does Holdingsham recruit the youngsters? How bring them bring them on? Well, generally there aren't many. It's, there's there's not loads of, of kids in the village. We had one one kid this year, um, Leonard, who had never played cricket before. He was he was a footballer and was fourteen, and he's loved the game. And we brought him on, and he's um, he's a perfect addition to the team. But I think. We, we, you go in cycles. I think what Tom was saying earlier on about how the, the, the golden age of, of Reed, when everyone was in their twenties, you know, late twenties, and didn't have kids. And I think we're sort of we're in the the golden time, uh, the golden era of Hornicksham in in the sense that a lot, a lot of people haven't settled down yet, or they've had their kids, and they're, they're it's the other side of of them playing, um, uh, you know, with, with the kids growing up, but the Hopefully, some of the Hornsham players will start having kids, and in ten years' time, there'll be yeah. some players to start playing. Um, I mean, I'm a product of of the youth system, and there was there was a youth, uh, say, Hornsham youth system. There was a youth side for for two years at Hornsham um, when I was about thirteen, and of those people playing, I think five of us still play, and that's that's a lot ten years on. Um, so we we still make up that core those players who started playing ten or fifteen years ago um, as thirteen year olds fourteen year olds. Do, do you come? Are they, what about the local schools? Do they teach? The, so I, I, I uh, my school in Warminster was um, yes, a, st- a state school and there was no cricket. It was what Tom was saying about who's leading who. I would definitely say it's those people who are already in, aware of cricket and are already playing cricket are those who play cricket in the schools. There was little or no cricket when I was growing up. I had to beg our sports teacher, can we have a fixture with our local uh, private school warmth? So we should have a cup each year. Um, and 
my school we won it we had a very good side and it was one of my proudest moments beating this private school and we didn't have Ooh, that must match. have been a match wasn't it must have been a bit of uh edge yeah, we, in yeah, that we, match we played at warminster <laughs> we, it, uh, when i was in in sixth form seven uh six 16 and 18 we won it every single time and it's those mm. are some of my proudest moments because these are these are schools which um yes, who are training quite often they're playing quite often and they go on tours and Kingdown, we did we we didn't even have a cricket pitch. We an astro the astroturf which we use for hockey and football was our cricket pitch. That's what we had to use. And we'd go off to some of the schools in in, in Wiltshire where you're playing on astroturf and you'd have gaping holes in the middle of the wicket. There'd be no place to put the stumps. It was um <laughs> very different to how these private schools, um, the kids in the schools learn their cricket. So you you do see less people carrying on their cricket, I think, from state schools than you do private schools. I think that's that's a fact. Um, there there is there is a lot of uh, stuff at the start of when when kids are between six and ten now. Like Tom was saying, you've got all stars cricket um, and dynamos, which is held by lots of town clubs, and that's all inclusive for any, for anyone. But there's just there's not much cricket in their state schools now. It's sad. You said, Tom, didn't you, that 80% of your players from state schools, which is really encouraging. Yeah, and I, I, I mean, that is a guess. Not a guess, it's an educated guess. I mean, the, the problem is, how, how I see it, is I just wish we could, we could get a bit more engagement from some of these kids, because I, I come from a state school, and I, as I said, I didn't particularly like cricket, but I saw it as a game for sort of middle, upper-class people, um, and that all kind of went out the window then once I actually got involved in it. And and I think it's a brilliant way of, it's a brilliant leveller. So um, there's some guys uh, at the cricket club that are educated at Eton, and there's some guys at the cricket club that are educated in Royston um, on completely different levels um, in, in terms of that respect. But then you can go together and you can, you can play a game of cricket on a Saturday or a Sunday afternoon, and there's, it doesn't matter where... where whether your family are multi-millionaires or your family got no money. And I think there's a bit of a, a barrier there. And, and I think if if more people from state schools, uh, boys and girls, were, were aware that actually you, you turn up on a Saturday and you get to spend all day with, you, with your mates, um, usually talking a load of rubbish, playing a bit of cricket, <laughs> trying to hit a few sixes, take a few wickets, um, having a couple of beers after the game. If, if it was advertised a bit more like that, Rather than a, I, I think people have a kind of would look into cricket from the outside and think, oh, that's not for me. But without actually really knowing what's involved in it, both of you touched on um, 2005 Ashes series, which of course was shown on free to air. Then cricket went off free to air. Uh, just at the moment, when nine million people had viewed that series um, on free to air, and it became. A kind of topic of national conversation in a way that cricket had never done before. Um, would it would it help you both in rec- recruitment and retention if mm. we got cricket back onto free to air in the way it was in two thousand and five? There's a World Cup currently that's mm. not referred to. How many how many kids that go to school Monday to Friday know that there's a cricket World Cup on currently? Yep. That and then that's ludicrous, isn't it? You wouldn't have it with a football World Cup. It, it, it's it's ludicrous that the, the, the world, world Cup cricket is not on free to air TV. You both um, probably saw Freddie Frintoff's Field of Dreams. Don't know what you thought of it, but the thing that really struck, amazed me in episode one is that none of the kids had ever heard of him. The number of kids who, you know, to whom he was a complete stranger. This is, you know, England's most charismatic cricketer, one of them of most recent times, who's had a TV career afterwards, and he still hadn't, and I think that was genuine, he still hadn't registered with people and cricket, uh, with young people, and cricket hadn't registered with them at all, had it? No, and I think it, it comes down to those years when we were watching cricket on, on, on Channel 4. These children who were on the, in, the, in the series, Field of Dreams, they've never experienced that. They've never been aware and if the only time they would have seen Freddie Flintoff was on League of Their Own or, or, or something like that and, and that's uh, it's, it's, it is sad it is sad that they've um, they've missed out on what was a very motivational side uh, time for for sportsmen 
I mean, even even now you've got the you've got cricket on Sky Sports. They've got a channel dedicated to Sky Sports cricket. Um, and then when they play cricket uh, in Australia or, uh, or some some certain series, it's on another channel. It's on BT Sport. And you, when you're talking about these people from deprived areas, like on Field of Dreams, these people can't afford the subscription to BT Sport to Sky Sports. They just can't afford it. Therefore, they are missing out, like you say, on on experiencing people like Freddie Flinton playing cricket. It's sort of tragic. If you love cricket and you think cricket is a really good thing. I was going to say, I think it will then be kind of where you think from from mine and Callum's youth watching Freddie Flintoff, there'd be kids that are 12, 13, 14 now that will, won't be able to watch Ben Stokes if you use that as a comparison. And, and you think if, if Freddie Flintoff, if we're using him as an example, was an inspiration for guys like Callum and myself, and, and Ben Stokes is not accessible to... to lots of people out there because it's not on free-to-air TV, then you're kind of missing another gap. It, it, it's just it's like almost cricket's trying to, it's hardest to close itself off from people mm. that haven't got the money to, to access it, which is a real shame. What's so magic about cricket for each of you? Because it has a tremendous hold on players of all ability. What really switches you on about cricket, both of you? What switches I think... Um, what switches me on with cricket is various different things. Well, I love the tactical stuff. I, I love the standing up first slip and working out how we're going to try and get a batsman up. I love that side of it. Um, I like to get quite competitive on the field, but equally, my favourite thing would also be to then buy whoever we're getting competitive with a beer off the pitch in the bar and sit and like this podcast, you can you can talk to talk about cricket for hours and hours, and you can find yourself down little rabbit holes, as I'm sure Bridget is aware. Um, and and it's subjective, isn't By it? By the way, I'm just going to uh, interrupt you. Bridget is our third umpire, um, our match referee. Uh, she's actually the producer who doesn't know anything about cricket, but keeps us all in order. And that's yeah. partly that's because she's has it. She, yeah. you know, she's she she produced BBC current affairs programmes for a very long time. So she's... Uh, She's pretty severe at times, though. No. Yeah, yeah. Carry on. Yeah. 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 Cricket's subjective, isn't it? So, so everyone's opinion on it's different on, on how to do it and some of this skill cap, etc. Um, and then, then probably finally, the my favourite part. There's no other feeling like hitting a six to win a game. Mm. Like, and that, and that's that's what for me what it all comes down. Hitting a six to win a game is the best feeling, and and like. If people striving to do that, then, then yeah, that, that's the magic of cricket for me. I'm not sure if I can hit a six anymore. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I, I mean, all, all, all of the things Tom just said, 100%. Uh, I mean, what what Reed stands for is very different from Horningsham, um, but the, the the love for cricket is 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 the same. Um, I mean, you're competitive side and it's amazing that you get so many sides out to be in such a small small place um for Hornicksham so we're we're, we're we're very lucky um to have such a as you called the leveler between people from different places I and mean, we've got some Etonians some Herovians and I I cook fish and chips and and it's it's very it's I'm very proud to be captain of Hornicksham I'm sure you are of Reed to to, to see these people from all walks of life who, without cricket, you would not socialise with. I would not be going for a for a pint with David at 76 and I would not be here speaking to you know, Peter and Richard without cricket. The opportunities it has, has given us and it's such an important part of my life. Uh, it's given me a, 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 an, an identity. Um, and when I step on that cricket pitch, I, I, I don't worry about the world as much, and, um, and that is genuine. And I, I enjoy every every moment I can I can play play cricket. And I see these people who are still playing in in their sixties and seventies, and they're not the players they once were, but they're still playing cricket. And it inspires me to keep going. It really does. I do know what you mean. I, I think you forget about. Every worry there is when you're going out there yeah. facing a bowler or setting a t- field or whatever it it may be, yeah, it's uh, 
it, and you feel very much relaxed. It takes you right out of yourself, doesn't it? Uh, yeah, it really does. Where are you going on tour next year, by the way? Where, where, what, what tours oh, have you got? Planned? So we're planning. We're planning on going to Norfolk um, in in the summer to play at uh, Holcomb Hall and some of the lovely grounds in in, in Norfolk, and then we're off to uh, Sussex in September um, to play at the Broad Hapney down in Hambledon, uh, obviously where the mm-hmm. first first class match was played, two hundred and fifty. One to come at 251 years ago now, so a historic place. But that's what we like to do. We, go on, we like to go on tour and and um and play at these amazing places. And I played cricket on on a beach in Ely. Um, I, I played cricket in a sheep's field in in North Yorkshire. Um, I have to have a, a visit to Hertfordshire to see to see, to see Tom's team and see what they're all about. I was just thinking that on your way through to Norfolk, if you wanted to stop off. Yeah, definitely, absolutely, yeah, It'd be a privilege. Both of you been on tour overseas? I've been. I've played in Ireland uh, in the last two years, um, and I've, I've asked for for Peter's side, uh, the White City All Stars, which I've been. Uh, it's been an honour to come on those two tours. Not that, but that's about it. Uh, I, I really want to, if I can get myself fit enough, go and play over in Australia um, whilst the Ashes go on in two thousand. I think it's two thousand and twenty-four. Um, that's that's my plan to go over there, mm. watch the cricket, and get myself good enough to play even if it's low grade cricket but just play cricket overseas that's my uh, that's my vision well any aussies listening to this would like to invite yeah. uh callum who's a handy player by the way yeah. uh, uh, uh get in touch with us and we'll pass on the pass on the um, invitation how about you tom so, uh, we, we've never toured overseas um but I was fortunate enough when I was 18, I went out and played a season in Australia. So I, um, instead of going to university, I went to uh, Australia for seven months to, to have a cricket season out there. Um, I stayed in uh, Newcastle, which is just a couple of hours north of Sydney. Mm-hmm. And I played um, just second and third grade cricket. Um, and it was it was brilliant. And I couldn't recommend it highly enough. Um, mm-hmm. Different way of life out there, of course. But... Um, yeah, the cricket, it's just a different way of cricket as well. It's the same game, obviously. Um, but, yeah, the same principles in that play hard on the pitch, play hard off the pitch as well. Um, so, yeah, if you, if you ever want any contacts, Callum, I've got a few out there. That's yeah, good. brilliant. Yeah, definitely. Well, it looks like we've arranged a, a game a match <laughs> for next season. <laughs> definitely, yeah. Callum and Tom, it's really been quite inspirational hearing both of you today. Um Gives us, I think, both hope for the for the future of cricket as a, um, you know, as a as a local sport um, and as a sport which, um, you know, does such a tremendous amount for personal development for all those who play it. So thank you both for joining us. For now, for me, it's uh, goodbye from me, Richard Heller, in southeast London, where it's still cold and damp. It's cold and damp here in Wiltshire too. Thank you very much indeed, uh, Tom and Callum. Thanks very much, guys. Thank you very much.